There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to Net Zero Carbon, the show at Freight Waves, where we deep dive on decarbonization with a specific focus on freight, fuels, and energy. We explore the technologies promising a cooler tomorrow and the people that are bringing solutions to life today. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and today I've got the distinct pleasure of being joined by Steve Statler of Williot, SVP of Marketing and ESG. How are you doing, Steve? Great. Uh, all the better for being on your podcast, Tyler. I, I, I love your focus on this subject. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm really excited to deep dive into Williot. And maybe we start there and start with a little bit of your journey, how you ended up there, and then we can go kind of go forward what the company's working on now. Yeah, I mean, I, I came to Williot as, um, as a consultant, as a writer back in uh, 2017. I'd written a book called Beacon Technologies. I had a podcast um, uh, called uh, Mr. Beacon, which is rather an odd name, but about uh, digital physical convergence, auto ID, indoor location. I was giving a, a one-day um, lecture on uh, and de- sort of demonstrations on how Bluetooth tags and beacons could work. And at the end of it, an Israeli guy came up to me and said, we're thinking of developing a passive Bluetooth tag. And would you like to help uh, maybe as a consultant? And of course, I said, no, because I thought he was crazy. The idea of having a battery-free tag the size of a postage stamp that was essentially a computer seemed just unhinged, impossible. But uh, a few years later, um, actually, they did it. Uh, fortunately, uh, I was persuaded to reconsider my foolish uh, decline of the offer. And I'm really glad that I did because we're now in version two of this. And you'll, um, you know, it's an audio podcast uh, as well as a video one, I, I guess. But a lot of people will not be able to see this. But this is literally as thin as a bit of paper, uh, but it's got an FCC. Uh, and Bluetooth logo on it because it, it is uh, it's passive in the sense of not having uh, any batteries, but it's a an active transmitter. It is an ARM processor. It computes. It senses temperature. Uh, I have another um, uh, product that we developed that I'm waving around now, which is a vaccine vial, um, which is the COVID vaccine vial that survives cryogenic feet freezing because there's no batteries. Um, but it can measure the temperature of the um, uh, of the vaccine, as well as the fill level, and whether it's been diluted, which it needs to be before you get it shot in your arm. So, um, uh, long story short, uh, amazing engineers over in Israel that developed this. Uh, a lot of great chip technology and uh, uh, radio frequency uh, engineering. But the thing that's really exciting about this um, is what happens when you connect them to the cloud uh, and you start to get visibility of things that were in the dark up until now, namely our supply chain, our inventory, the things in our homes. Um, uh, 99% of the world is not connected to the internet today. But you know, we all know the internet is powerful, um, but how powerful would it be if we flip that and most things were connected? Suddenly we turned the lights on and 
you know, imagine Tyler, you and I are in a simulation. This isn't the real world. We're in a simulation. And then someone decides to flick on God mode and we can see everything. You know, we go from just seeing our little thing, what's in front of us to everything everywhere all of the time. How much more efficient could we be? Uh, How much uh, uh, wastage could we eliminate? How much uh, crime, theft, shrink, uh, loss could we eliminate? And um, it's really this ability to apply the, 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 the muscle of the cloud to the, the, the bones of the physical world, um, which uh, excites me and makes me optimistic about solving some of our biggest problems, you know, the supply chain chaos, but more importantly, um, the sustainability issues that uh, are threatening our, our very existence. That is mind-blowing. To me, it's one of those moments where when you see a good piece of technology, it feels like magic because you can't explain or understand how it works. That's exactly what that sticker looks like to me. And I understand I'm, I'm deep enough and a student of supply chains to understand the value of that traceability and visibility and know the challenges we've had before have been around upfront cost, deployment, thinking about connectivity. And to fast forward five years from even where you were laughing it off five years ago as a consultant to now we we have this and it's in the wild and it's working and we're starting to probably just scratch the surface of what you can do with that sheer amount of data. Help me make this not magic for our listeners. Give me a use case where this is a solution that that makes a difference in supply chain that you guys have seen. Yeah, there's, there's probably three that I'd love to take some time to drill into. Um, I mean, the, um, one of the ones that I find fascinating is this concept of demand chain. Uh, so many people will know what demand chains are, but I, I try and explain it as the, the evolution of supply chain where the manufacturer gets demand signals at the point of purchase and at the point of consumption in real time. So how much better could your production planning be if you got the Nielsen rating of your product every morning and you saw what the sales were and maybe even the consumption of your, your product in the home, we could be so much more efficient. And the, you know, what would that look like? Um, so imagine we're in the car parts business. Um, car parts are sold in a really large set of different stores from Costco to mom and pop stores. So uh, approximately 100,000 retail outlets for, for car parts. How do I manage production if I'm feeding 100,000 retail outlets? And I don't know what the inventory levels are because I can't phone up 100,000 people every day and say, what's in stock at the moment? But if you put these stickers on the products that you're selling and you have a Bluetooth radio nearby, and let's face it, Bluetooth is everywhere, um, so it's likely there is a Bluetooth radio nearby, then you can suddenly go from having no idea what the inventory levels are in your 100,000 stores to seeing exactly what they are on a, on a real-time basis. You can see when so even when someone picks up your product and puts it down, but certainly when they, they, they take it. So, so what difference does that mean? And I think it's pretty obvious that it's a profound difference. But basically, I can probably make half as much product as I'm actually making today. I can go from doing a milk round of deliveries, visiting all 100,000 stores every month, to doing dynamic 
um, deliveries, pre-kitting, much smaller delivery vehicles doing dynamic uh, routing to just top up places where it's needed and leave alone the places where there is enough stock. I, I don't need to have so much buffer at every stage if I can see that. And if, say, that product uh, remains tagged, uh, let's say it's a car battery and it gets installed into someone's car, guess what? Your car has connectivity as well. And we can start to monitor that product in your car and see as it's starting to fail. And maybe I can even move as the battery manufacturer to a subscription model. So I can cut my cost of customer acquisition, reduce loyalty. But from the customer's perspective, they never need to worry about a battery going bad again. If it's starting to go bad, I just get a note uh, that there's going to be a delivery or to pop in and replace it. So going from supply chain to demand chain is just one of three, in my opinion, groundbreaking developments that we can enable. I love that example, Steve. Thank you for sharing that. Are there any other ones that are top of mind? Wonderful. Well, I have two more. I mean, there's actually probably 100,000 more, but uh, um, there's a couple of others that I think are really strategic and important for people to kind of get their head around. Um, One is um, visibility of perishable products in the in the supply chain um, and so what I'm talking about here you know, we, we actually recently published a case study um, uh, with Israel's largest uh, retailer they're, they're a grocery chain called Shufacell. they're basically everywhere they do home deliveries and they have tight relationships with farmers um, and a mainstay of what people go to the grocery store in Israel to buy, same as everywhere else in the world, is uh, is fruit and veg. Um, and, you know, they basically asked us to come in and uh, put these stickers on their plastic crates that they use both uh, to harvest and also to display to merchandise in the in the store. So zucchinis, peppers, tomatoes, that sort of thing. And the view was, um, you know, the mandate was a very simple one, which was uh, these reusable plastic crates are great. They're more sustainable. Uh, They give us dependability in terms of the materials for packaging, but they're more expensive. Uh, And so uh, can we buy less of them and can we avoid or reduce the, the shrink, the loss of them, because these things are valuable. People actually steal these things and they shred them and sometimes they just go missing for innocent reasons. So uh, you, you put a Bluetooth tag sticker on uh, these crates. They're washable because they can you know, be glued down. There's no parts that need to be repaired. You can actually track every single one of them and you can, rather than having... Um, 1.2 million crates, you can have a million crates. So you're, you're saving uh, capital there. And, and also, uh, guess what? You have a tracker on everything. You tend to lose a lot less of them. So the shrink in that pool is significant. I mean, that's a very, very simple ROI, uh, which is what we love about it. But the thing we love even more about it is that you almost for free start to get visibility of what's in the crates. And you can start to measure Um, temperature over time and the dwell time at every stage of the delivery of that produce. And what we were seeing was rather than the theoretical three days from farm to store, sometimes it would take twice as long 
So, you know, why was that? What was happening? Well, what we were seeing was um, the, the FIFO queues, the first in, first out at the packing shed and the distribution center in the back of the, the store, uh, storage, often you'd get waves of product. And so the tendency is not to have a FIFO, but to have a LIFO, last in, first out. Yeah. Everyone's frantically stacking the crates up and the ones at the back get left there sometimes for days and the ones that just got put in are the first ones to 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 go out so we were able to detect that and actually send messages uh to the people at the sharp end in the feet literally in the field uh and in the distribution center and at the store to let them know that there's a problem. And so you can take something that's turned into a six-day um, uh, supply chain and get it back down to three days. And uh, the other thing that Shufacell are pioneering is uh, ripest first. So you want FIFO you know, early on in the supply chain, but when it gets to the store, oh, this thing, you know, maybe it's only been there in the supply chain for three days, but it's been exposed to a lot of heat. It's been left out in the sun. Let's get that produce out on the shelves first and then other things that maybe have been kept at the right temperature for four days they can actually go later and and the net of that is really significant you actually end up well first of all you waste a lot less because you don't have to throw away stuff that's gone bad in the supply chain that the store manager sees seizes is is he's got fuzz on it it's rotting or whatever but um, we were actually able to, because we had Bluetooth everywhere, to see where the shoppers went. And we found that they would gravitate to the freshest food. People don't like ugly fruit. They like beautiful produce. And so you sell more. Uh, and then people get it home and there's less quality issues. There's less people bringing it back to the store saying, uh, oh, these uh, these strawberries are, are actually not good. And that's that's great uh, for for loyalty, for customer retention, uh, customer satisfaction. So uh, we started off with a use case, which was about smaller pools of crates, losing less crates. And we ended up with something that has a profound difference on the climate. I mean, having less crates is actually good for the climate. But if we can take a, a bite out of that 40% of waste uh, food waste uh, in, in in that early part of the supply chain, um, then that's that's huge. Uh, and it, the great thing is, it's not a trade off between uh, the planet and the profit. It, it, it's it's you know people benefit that they're happier. I, I, nothing's better than having good fruit, uh, and uh, the planet benefits because we're not throwing so much away. Uh, and the bottom line, it looks a lot better. Uh, because we're retaining customers and we're, we're not having to write off uh, inventory that's gone bad. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. It's very rare that you get those opportunities for that true triple bottom line win on each side. And it's it's clear to me that as long as this product does what it says, we have that God mode visibility and we can identify those areas of waste at each step along the way. How do we interpret 
that many data points once we start to get it. Because you're talking about exponential increases in the amount of data to sift through. Is that another part of Willias offering? It is, and it's a very good point. So this is not about giving the ESG uh, VP a better dashboard. Uh, it's about uh, actually giving agency, we, we talk about actually giving products agency, giving the ability to drive action from the product. So conventionally with a QR code or even with an NFC tag or an RFID tag where someone's got an expensive device that they're using to scan, you're relying on the uh, human being to do something. The great thing about Bluetooth is it's always broadcasting. So you're pushing out information even when there's no one there because Bluetooth is pervasive. The readers, even when you have to install them, they're tens of dollars rather than thousands of dollars. You can actually have triggers that come from the crate uh, that go to whoever's in charge. It might be a driver. Uh, it might be uh, who's ter- accidentally turned off the uh, the refrigeration in the reefer uh, unit. It, it could be the store manager. It could be um, the, the farmer, the shift leader. So that's um, what we enable at, at a raw level. And so our product, which is basically a platform, has the triggers to enable that. But we're not an applications company. We work with third parties who are building apps. We're almost like an app store for the physical world. Um, and so uh, anyone can write apps. Um, and you know that's part of why we try and get the word out is we want people to uh, use our APIs, use the tags and develop solutions. Um, and you know, one of the other solutions that it would be great to touch on is kind of the last one, which I think is super relevant, which is around real-time uh, uh, carbon footprint measurement. I would love to touch on, on that because one thing we focus on here pretty keenly is just start measuring, right? And once you, once you do that and you take that first step, most companies that are beginning their journey start to realize, okay, this is a very conservative number. The more I dig into it, the more I understand we're using averages of averages. They could be geographically different based on who's coming up with it. And the more we get down the the granularity funnel, as I like to call it, to that prime data, the more valuable the measurement becomes. But historically, the challenge has been, how do I enable the data access and exchange along that, you know, changing of hands? And it seems like that's a big opportunity for Willio, right? I I believe so. Um, And, you know, I'm heartened by the fact that SEC uh, Security Exchange Commission is now mandating carbon reporting for most companies and soon pretty much all companies. Um, but you know, my fear is that we'll, what we'll get is after the fact annual life cycle assessments that need to be explained away. And, and I'm, you know, it's a good step, no question about it. But really. Uh, you know, if if you were like, uh, I don't know, have had a medical problem and the doctor said, let's check in once a year on how you're doing, then you'd be like, this is urgent. I, I want you to see me on a regular basis. So having a annual check-in on your carbon footprint just seems completely inadequate. And And the good thing is it doesn't have to be that way. If you're measuring every asset in real time, if you can start to measure um, the fact that this um, uh, product took um, uh, three days sitting in a reefer container, refrigerated container, rather than three hours, uh, then you can start to get to dynamic real-time carbon footprinting. And coming back to your earlier question, 
rather than the customer being just the head of ESG, environment and uh, social and governance, um, why not provide those metrics to everybody in the company? I mean, we run our companies, we look at cost and we look at revenue on a very, very regular basis. Let's do the same with carbon. And, and you know, by the way, carbon is really effectively a proxy for cost. So if we can squeeze down carbon and tell every store manager, every person that's responsible for scheduling distribution, here's what your carbon footprint looked like yesterday or at the moment, then they can start to make decisions and come up with innovations and get promoted and rewarded uh, and, and exceed their budget um, uh, by, uh, by beating the numbers and getting instant feedback. Getting feedback, you know, if you do your podcast and I gave you feedback once a year, I mean, it's better than nothing, but you'd really like it after every episode, right? So why not do that? Uh, and and the, the key to that is having um, a, a handle on where everything is. And with this technology, we can do that. Every batch of raw materials, every piece of work in progress, every finished good, every tool uh, can be tracked. And suddenly we've got this amazing dashboard that can drive a much leaner, profitable organization that can give uh, up to the minute view of its carbon footprint and empower and hold accountable the whole organization so that we actually stand a chance of hitting those uh, commitments that we made um, because we've got the information we need to take action now. So powerful, so powerful. And I'm happy to have learned about Willie at the company that's empowering that feedback loop to come faster and faster in real time at a cost that's, you know, got to be much lower than historically big hardware packages, right? So we're able to deploy this at scale everywhere and we can start to make better decisions. I am, I've had a thousand other questions and we could spend four more hours on this subject and we will have to re-engage or maybe do a crossover episode or something. But I do want to leave listeners with this because I, I, I believe that the people matter just as much as the product or what we're doing here. So I'm curious about Steve and why sustainability is a big deal in your life and why this is a focus. You know, a few months ago, um, I kind of looked, I'm 60 years old, and I, and I was looking at, man, this, the pace of things is not letting up. It's getting more and more intense. Williot's an amazing company. And, and I just uh, um, was questioning whether I had the energy and the motivation to keep on going at the, the pace. And then I thought about, well, what would I do otherwise? What, what is it that really matters if I was to retire? Uh, then, you know, maybe I'd get more active politically, but that's just such a downer uh, in terms of the state of politics. And, you know, like, anyway, we won't go into that, but I crossed that off the list. That's not good. I'm like, well, I'd probably get back into uh, environments and sustainability. Early in my career, I helped set up, a, a, a contributed to founding The Good Traveler, which is carbon offsetting for airports and uh, enabling travelers to do the right thing uh, on, on that front. And then I realized, look, you know, this, we all want meaning in our lives. Uh, we want to feel like, yeah, we're all going to die. That's an inevitability. But can I do something that I can be proud of where I can make a difference? And, uh, you know, what we're doing, what you're doing with this podcast and what all the people who are like-minded are doing is not just benefiting us. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made in sa saving the world, but this, this is something that is going to benefit every single person on, on, on the planet, people you've never met. If we can really figure out and use the 
brains trust that is the human race to crack this problem that is threatening everybody, uh, flooding and hurricanes and uh, wildfires and displacement of people. It's, it's the biggest problem in existence. And if you want meaning in your life, then why not work on that? Uh, and, and so that was the conclusion that I came to. And I'm like, wow, we've got this powerful technology. Um, uh, you know, I want meaning in my life. And, and I think the people I work with do. And so basically, I resolved to uh, try and uh, use my day job to actually, you know, make a difference. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a, I think, a noble use of our creative talents to try and make a positive impact. Uh, and I'm getting that sense that the tide is rising on that. As a collective, I do think we're, by and large, moving towards trying to channel those creative kind of do well, do good attitudes into our day jobs, by and large. I hope that's the case. Maybe I'm in an, in an echo chamber here, but I don't think so. So I I appreciate you. I want to make sure people know how to contact you if they have questions about Williad, where they can go. And then we'll definitely have to reconnect on a future episode of mine or your podcast. Yeah, I'd love to have you. Let's do a crossover episode, Tyler. Um, so yeah, go williot.com is the best place to go. We have a ton of free training. Uh, so there's the Williot Academy. Uh, please do that. If you're interested, you want to learn more. Uh, we have a learning management system. There'll be more and more stuff online. You can sign up to use our platform for free. So if you're a, a geek like me, then you can play with APIs. We have a starter kit where you can actually get these tags and start to play and explore concepts. And then if you just want to learn more, as well as listening to more uh, of your podcast, Tyler, there's uh, Mr. Beacon, Google that, it's on YouTube and uh, all the normal podcasting platforms. Excellent. Well, thanks again for taking the time out and explaining this. We will definitely post links to everything in the show notes, and I look forward to chatting again soon. Be well. Wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks, Steve.